Hello, welcome to Eyes for Ears, your ophthalmology OCAPS and Board View podcast. We're your hosts, Ben Young and Andrew Powell. Just a reminder that these episodes are meant for medical education only, not to diagnose things on anyone's eyes. Each week, we take a high yield topic and talk about the why and the how. What are we talking about this week, Andrew? This week, we're going to try to tackle the pattern strabismuses. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> we have had a pattern of this being a highly requested topic. Oh, jeez. Have you <laughs> it's totally that beginning. waiting? I've talked to you. We were warming up for this for like an hour, mm-hmm. and you didn't betray the puns at all. I held that on like an itch. I Oof. couldn't wait to scratch it. Well, um, yeah, we are going to have... Uh, these things are always challenging because all of these strabismus topics really uh, benefit from visual aids, right? And I think we talked a little bit about some oblique muscle actions before. We won't go into as much detail, but we'll still kind of have a brief summary review of like muscle actions and how that's different from you know trying to figure out and isolate whether a muscle is working in clinical practice. But at least um, to start talking about the pattern strabismuses, you know, those are your A pattern, V pattern, that kind of stuff, and then more exotic things. That's what this episode's really going to be about. And we want to differentiate it from the vertical deviations, which will be in a different episode. So in all of the pattern strabismuses, they're really horizontal deviations, where the amount of deviation is a little different sometimes, whether you're looking up or whether you're looking down. But the eyes won't be hypo or hyper relative to each other. They'll only be like exo or iso relative to each other. All right. So put another way, you know, in the pattern strabismuses, when a person looks up or looks down, they're either more or less cross-eyed or wall-eyed. Yeah. Great. So before we dive into, you know, all the different types of pattern strabismi, strabismuses, uh, I'll have to figure that one out in post. Uh, we should <laughs> uh, we should talk first about because this is something that is confusing and is very relevant for understanding patterns for business. The difference between muscle action and field of action. So, Andrew, maybe let's start by defining each. What's muscle action? What does that mean? So that's just uh, it's talking about a muscle and each of the muscles, inferior, superior, lateral, obliques, whatever. They all have multiple jobs to do. Actually, that's not true for the horizontal rectus ones. Those those guys have it easy. Lateral and medial rectus, all they do is make the eye go left or right. Yeah, forget about them. But all the others, you know, they actually have to juggle three things, three actions. And that's what we know of what a muscle does. And that's based on what it happens in primary position. Let's differentiate how these actions are different from a muscle's field of action. Yeah, so it's just like how the right superior rectus, we know from SINRAD, you know, the rad rectus adducts, but its field of action is an abduction. So like what's what gives? Why is there that, that difference between action and field of action? You know, I think the simplest way to explain the difference is action is what the muscle does in primary gaze. So what, you know, an action is an action. And the field of action is the place where that muscle is kind of locked in or that where that muscle is the only thing that is doing anything. Right. So uh, the it's other muscles, muscle. yeah, it's the other muscles in that position that are static and sort of locked. Um, 
in the case of the superior rectus again, we'll say the right eye's superior rectus, when you're abducting, looking to your right, the only thing that can allow the move, eye to move up and up is the superior rectus in that case. So abduction and superduction is the superior rectus field of action. Yeah. And to really kind of, if it helps to hammer it home, to rem- the visual aid, because, you know, we, we can't afford visual aids at this audio podcast, <laughs> so you're going to use your own hand. You take your right fist, pretend it's your right eyeball, and put your left hand on top of it, and then we're pretending that's your your superior rectus for the right eye. And when you put your left hand on top of it, it should be coming in kind of at an angle. Like if your right hand is pointing straight out and your left hand is laying on top of it, it should be coming at an angle, just like the superior rectus comes at an angle in, um, in your orbit because your orbit is a little bit tilted. So when you pull with your left hand on your right fist, you'll see it's pulling it inwards. You know, if you're left hand is on kind of the knuckles of your right hand and when you're pulling you should be pulling it inward i.e. you're adducting with it but then if you turn your right fist outwards you're abducting right fist then that will isolate the muscle so it only will elevate that's why the field of action of the right superior rectus is um, in abduction and um, superduction because it's isolating when your right fist is out and up so hopefully that can kind of help you remember what the difference is Okay, I mean, I think that's action versus field of action. So hopefully, you know, I, that's something I know I definitely got mixed up a lot. Yeah, and you'll have to forgive us. I know that's still not great without visual aids, but we will one day with some video hopefully yeah. fix eyes that. Eyes for ears for eyes is incoming, folks. Maybe in 2026, I don't know. But uh, <laughs> <coughs> Sorry. Okay. In the meantime, we should direct you to... Uh, Dr. Tim Root's videos, which are great for this. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got those cool little plastic or paper models where he's got m- eyes that move around. He explains this. Ben and I were talking like much more elegantly than anything else we've seen, actually. So yeah, so we'll, uh, we'll link that in the description below. But we big stand, thanks to Dr. Root for teaching us Tim too. Root. Tim like Root's he's amazing. He's taught everybody. Okay, let's talk about patterns for business now. What are the types? Okay, so we talked a little bit V and A patterns. Those are the ones that you really know about easily that come to mind. In V pattern, your two eyes converge more when you're looking down than they will when you're looking up. That doesn't mean that they're not totally convergent maybe when you're looking up, but that it's just more convergent when you're looking down. And same is true for the A patterns, just reverse. The two eyes are converging more when you're looking up than when they're looking down. Yep. Unfortunately, <laughs> these A and V patterns altogether only constitute at most a quarter of all horizontal pattern strabismuses. So all the others, you know, those are where the exotic stuff come in. Y pattern, X pattern, lambda pattern. We'll talk about those specifically a little ahead of the, a little later. You know, honestly, it kind of surprises me that they say it's only 25% of VNA patterns because I feel like like every kid in Pete's clinic has a V pattern. So, oh, I don't know. It's Yeah, I'm not sure what that comes from either, but it yeah. was what the textbook said. I, so. I expected, yeah, most of your clinics, you're going to see like a ton of V pattern, but um, I don't know. I mean, uh, the stats are what they are. Something that you should just commit to memory for um, V and A patterns is how to define them as clinically significant. Basically, someone's their eyes are ever more out when they're looking up than when they're looking down, they have a V pattern. But for it to be, quote, clinically significant, it has to at least be a 15 prism diopter difference 
from up to down gaze. And then for A pattern, it has to be a 10 prism diopter difference between um, up and down gaze. Again, with it being more out in down gaze than in up gaze. This is kind of tricky. This is something that they can just literally kind of cold quiz you on, on, on boards or OCAPs. How I remember it is, you know, you just kind of have to know 10 and 15 are the numbers. And I just remember that A-10 is a well-known um, attack aircraft in the that the U.S. Air Force deploys. Uh, did you play that flight simulator too when you were little? I did not. I had a book that talked about all about <laughs> different airplanes and everything. So yeah, the A-10 Warthog. Maybe look up a picture or we can link a picture to it or something in the description. I'm sorry. But, I'm laughing because I thought I was nerdy for playing flight simulators, but that... The fact that you had an encyclopedia of planes is even nerdier. <laughs> yeah, I, I like that thing is still commit to memory. Like, like the oh things that probably should have been programmed into my memory, like the language my grandma speaks, you know, or other like basic fundamentals of like human social interaction, were eradicated <laughs> by this on, fighter plane uh, textbook. Uh, it is. It does specialize in low to the ground strafing warfare. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Is that like a heavy? Okay, anyways. Um, but yeah, A-10 Warthog. <laughs> and then you have to remember V-15 is the other thing. There is no, like, as far as I'm aware, no V-15 plane or anything. But remember A-10 Warthog, then V V pattern goes with the other number, which is 15. And this is completely superfluous. But the reason that is is there you actually converge a little bit all the time whenever you look down, just physiologically. So for it to matter, it has to be more than the normal. Interesting. That's a good another way. Actually, you know, that's a... I, I didn't know. No, I like I like a ten warthog. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but that makes that. sense. I mean, I think we can all kind of think when we look down our eyes. I mean, that's just what convergence is. You know, we're when we're like reading position. You know, yeah, our eyes yeah. will converge a bit. So that's good. I like that. We talked about what A and V are, and again, there's only five. Like patterns of rhythmus can seem kind of intimidating. Remember, there's only five patterns that like you can draw out. That's it. So let's talk about what they are and um more importantly like why they happen so let's talk and about stuff that's associated with them that's important too right yeah well yeah why they happen what what they're associated with okay so let's start with the most common one v pattern um what why why happen andrew why do v happen? yeah usually it's because of a problem with uh either the inferior oblique working too well or the superior oblique not working well enough because what ends up manifesting is this over-elevation when you're adducting. Right. For whatever reason, you know, I'm not really sure that there's a causative link to this, but it's definitely associated with infantile esotropia. And then, because of the cause, like we just said, certainly superior oblique palsies or anything where it's just not working as well in general, that can be associated with a V-pattern. Um, if you kind of pause to think about it, it makes a bit of sense because the superior obliques are supposed to intort, depress, and abduct. So without them working, the eyes just don't abduct in depression as well. Right. So the maybe most interesting thing to know about it, though, the most interesting association is that the craniofacial malformations, specifically all the craniosynostoses, um, actually really uh, are, have a strong association with V pattern. Right. Those are things like Cruzon syndrome, Apert syndrome, Pfeiffer and Sethrit Chotzen. Who knows whether I'm saying those correctly. Apologies, Dr. Chotzen. Yeah, um, those can all contribute to superior oblique underaction. And really it's thought maybe it's just because of how all the uh, skull and bone malformations are actually sort of changing the shape of the eye socket somewhat 
really in a way that usually undercuts or usually uh, affects the superior oblique the most? The way I organize it is it's mostly due to IO overaction or SO underaction. And then other things that are kind of associated with those are infantile esotropia and uh, craniosynostoses. So I just try to memorize that infantile esotropia and craniosynostoses are associated with V patterns. That's just something that, again, they can just cold test you on. Uh, you know, they can give all the, the pattern strabismi and ask you, you know, which of these is associated with craniosynostoses. Just remember V pattern, infantile esotropia. Otherwise, it's going to be due to inferior oblique overaction or SO underaction. What about A pattern? What causes an A pattern? Hmm. A pattern's a bit of the opposite. So, whereas V pattern was because of, you know, inferior oblique overaction usually, or underaction of the opposing muscle, in A pattern, you've usually got an overactive superior oblique. And I should also mention that these are the terms that make sense to us to call, to say the muscle, say whether it's working too well or not well. But the, I guess the trends in peds are to start talking more about um, just the manifest effect of all these underactions. So there's like a movement away from calling it superior oblique overaction to wanting instead to call it over depression in a deduction. I don't know, the 2020 BCSC book makes a big deal out of that. I don't think it's really translated into us talking in clinic. But yeah, that's a pattern, superior oblique overaction. And it's the second most common pattern strab and tends to occur most frequently in people with exotropia. And remember in V pattern, we said it was infantile esotropia that was associated with V pattern. So of course it's the opposite for A pattern, exotropia for A Uh, pattern. Yeah, it's a little confusing because in like non-infants, like non-infantile, V pattern is like very commonly associated with exotropia. (laughs) So that is a little confusing, but yeah. But and really, there's yeah. there's not really a line in the sand here because actually, <laughs> A patterns can happen with esotropia too. Yeah, it's just uh, so that's not really something you have to commit to memory necessarily. They can kind of occur with either. There's, I feel like in all of this background knowledge, there's BCSC factoids and then what's out there in the literature. And right. the BCSC actually draws from the literature, even if it's not totally like completely universally agreed on. Yeah. quite a few times for these topics so hand yeah. wavy hand wavy yeah I, don't know. Um, I mean one thing that you could commit to memory that's maybe a little bit lower yield is that a patterns are associated with spina bifida and hydrocephalus we don't have a good explanation why let's not speculate to make it crazy something something upward slanting lateral acanthi yeah but, again it's got to do with how is your eye socket shaped what are the right. bony uh, anatomy differences Right, right, yeah. But V pattern, craniosynostoses, and A pattern with spina bifida or hydrocephalus. So if you're going to memorize some money, yeah, that's where you could get your points. Okay, so those are the main two, but let's talk about the. There's only three more patterns of Bismarck, and they are like the variations basically on A and V pattern. So Y pattern is basically, I mean, the nice thing is that the the letter explains what it is, right? So <laughs> Y pattern is when you're looking straight ahead, you have a certain um, level of strabismus. When you look down, it's the same amount of strabismus. When you look up, your your eyes go out more. You get more... Um, XO. Yeah, XO when you look up. So it's just just follow the letter. That's what it is for the other three, for Y, for X, and for Lambda, which is upside down Y. 
um, you just have to follow what the letter does, just like with V and A pattern. But Andrew, why does Y pattern happen? Like something I always wondered when I was looking at this is like, why do I care if it's one of these other patterns? Like, why can't I only just memorize um, A? Uh, sorry, V and A pattern. Why does Y pattern happen? Yeah, you the Y pattern is weird like all of these, honestly, but why pattern is when the one will probably leave as the weirdest because the explanation is not satisfying, at least to me. Now you'd think that it would be related to inferior oblique overaction, right? The inferior uh, oblique is supposed to make the eye go up, supposed like to the... abduct the eye, and that's kind of what's happening or where the problem in why pattern is, like more divergence up and out, right? But in fact, this is not really inferior oblique overaction it's actually termed pseudo inferior oblique overaction and the bcsc says in truth it's actually due to the lateral rectus muscles where the heck did those guys decide to jump in on this ship i don't know but it's supposedly from miswiring neural miswiring from from instead of the inferior oblique to the lateral rectus i don't know if that's exactly the natural history of it but let's just consider it Neural miswiring, hand-waving, hand-waving, hand-waving. Cool. So it's a lot of rectus, not an inferior oblique problem, probably. So there would then be a couple ways that you should distinguish it then, right? From a mm-hmm. real inferior oblique overaction. Yeah. What then can you... Ah, shucks, you beat me. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was... Like, okay, fine. First of all, the easiest thing probably is that uh, with real inferior oblique overaction, there's there should be some torsion, right? Um, the obliques are supposed to, or the inferior oblique is supposed to extort your eye. But if this is just a pseudo IOOA, then there won't be any torsion. And you can kind of tell that. Some people say, look at the conjunctival vessels to see if the torsion is happening or not. So people do it while they're doing the fundus exam and looking to see if the fundus tilts. That's baller, I gotta say. It's like yeah. to, to look for that while to do your EOM exam while doing a fundus exam is pretty boring. It's like when I see that, it's just like, okay, I guess I'm Superman. Fine. Yeah. yeah. Or you expect me to be. Yeah, we'll leave it at that. Okay. Okay. What about X pattern? Well, you know, it's just like we said, just follow what the letter does. So that means uh, they go XO more in both up and down gaze. So it's like you put yeah. an A and a V pattern together. Although, to be completely, you know, to point out the middle of the x x where the lines cross would make you think that oh okay in primary position the eyes are totally fine they're looking in ortho ortho in primary psych but that that's not the case it's just yeah. that you get more the deviations worse in right. upper and lower gaze yeah yeah and that's true for all of these right like in a v pattern because if v comes to a point you might think it's you know they have like no deviation in down gaze but they do it's just less than an up gaze yeah. or just less exo than an up gaze you know if they have an eso Okay. And I think the most significant association here is with really large angle exotropias. Mm. And the book and the text make a big deal out of how large this um, deviation is. Think of, you know, really, really tight lateral rectus muscles on both eyes that are causing a huge exo deviation. Now think that those lateral rectus muscles are so tight that it's really hard for your eye to actually, you know, move given how almost restrictive they are and when they do try to move 
that almost restriction sort of forces the eye to either slip up or slip down just to allow the movement to happen. So this is where the muscle slippage comes in. Um, it's actually just sort of because of a weird restriction that the eye is able to get around by kind of slipping underneath or over, over top, but that's what leads to the pattern strab. Cool. And it also explains why it's only in really, really large exos or large deviations in general, because that's the only that it's that amount that will create such a tight restrictive muscle. But let's move to lambda pattern for now. Yeah, that's just upside down Y. It's just just take your Y and put it upside down. That's it. Well, basically, it's a really rare variant of A pattern. Yeah, I don't know. There's nothing too crazy that it's associated with. Like, it's associated basically the same thing with uh, as A pattern. You know, that over depression A deduction or super oblique uh, muscle overaction. I don't think we should say much more on that to avoid confusion. So, lambda yeah. is just kind of like a little bit of a mutated A. Like, I don't want to worry yeah. too much more than that. So, that concludes the section just describing these different patterns and different syndromes that they can be associated with. Again, remember the craniosynostoses commonly with uh, V patterns, and then spina bifida and hydrocephalus with A patterns. A lot of the pathophysiology behind all of these kind of gets mixed up between all of them. So mm -hmm. I did want to talk again in the next section about the pathophys and the different mechanisms that can actually cause different patterns. Right. And you keep hearing us talk about, you know, superior oblique muscle overaction or underaction. Essentially, overactive oblique muscles is one thing that can yeah. cause a lot of these patterns. Right. And in particular, let's drill down superior oblique muscle overaction. That's A patterns and lambda patterns that you have to look out for. And um, I always found this at least a little helpful. I'm glad that the one on tops is the one with A, right? So uh, top to bottom, alphabetically, A pattern is the one that is on top of the eye, superior oblique overaction. Um, but you can also have inferior oblique overaction too. Yeah, and that's the more common one for sure. Is IO overaction leading to V right. patterns? Yeah. Now to move on to stuff we haven't talked about as much, ocular torsion can also kind of create some of these patterns. And the way that is, like, imagine that your eye is just intorted or extorted in general. When that happens, well, let's talk about the case of an extorted eye in particular, that does tend to create V patterns. And that's because of how the rectus muscles sort of have to change their actions kind of def uh, depend on where the eye is pointing, how the eye is tilted, right? So an extorted eye, in an extorted eye, the superior rectus sort of gets displaced more temporally, the inferectus gets displaced more nasally, and when they move around, that just creates a V pattern. You could think it through or just trust me <laughs> or the BCSE. Conversely, then, in torsion, intorted eyes are going to have a tendency towards A patterns. And it's because of like the displacement or at least the uh, different angles that the superior rectus and the inferior rectus are working from. Right. Then there's a lot of hullabaloo about the orbital pulley system. Yeah, I don't think anybody's really formally defined it well, right? It's just smooth muscles and all these like extracellular matrix um, proteins 
all around the eye and around the eye muscles, hey, maybe they're contributing to how the eye moves around too. We could just say hand wavy again, connective tissue, maybe if there's some problem with it, the eye's not going to move and how you expect. But this also goes back to all those craniofacial malformations too, I think for the same reason. If just stuff around the eye and around the muscles aren't situated correctly, or at least situated normally, then you, you could have weird pattern strabismuses. Right. Okay, so so okay, so it's like all of the the why and the how pattern strabismus happens, but we have to talk about how to fix it, and that's pretty simple. It's really just surgery, right? There's not like a drop, or um, like patching therapy really has nothing to do with pattern strabismus. It's just about surgery. So, Andrew, how like what is the basic way to treat pattern strabismus? Is it just weekend abductors or AD ductors and whatnot? What do you do? It's, uh, the concept is pretty simple. Um, first, you can consider it in two steps. Step one, is there overaction of an oblique muscle? And if there is, just weaken it. And there's so many different ways that the strab guys do that, I'm not going to get into it really. Yeah. But you could, you know, like clip the muscle a little bit, a partial tenotomy, whatever. But if there isn't any overaction of an oblique, then you might have to do the maneuver where you uh, vertically transpose the horizontal muscles. Just sort of recruit them into helping out a little bit with uh, vertical deviation or, sorry, just recruit them to help out a bit. And this is where the famous mnemonic M-A-L-E or male comes in. Because you're going to wonder, like, okay, do I transpose the medial rectuses inferiorly then? Or the lateral rectuses? Where do those go? Um, one nice thing is it doesn't matter if you're resecting or recessing. This mnemonic still holds true no matter what. But Ben, tell us a little bit, if you can, explain for everybody what the male mnemonic is about. Sure. So, so the M is for medial, and the, the A is for apex. So... You know, the, the apex here is where the point is in your pattern. So in a V pattern, the apex is the bottom of the V. And then in A pattern, the apex is the uh, the top of the V. Oh, sorry, the top of the A. <laughs> um, <laughs> right, right, right. Right. So, so basically, you transpose the medial recti towards that apex. So in V pattern, you move them down. In A pattern, you move them up. And then the lateral, you move to the quote, empty. So the empty is where the letter opens up. So in V pattern, it's the, the top of the V because there's nothing there. And the A pattern, it's the bottom of the A. And so then you yeah. would transpose a lot of recti in those directions. And that's it. That's all you have to know. Yeah. <laughs> what Andrew um, said. If there's overaction of oblique, weaken it. And then otherwise, do the male mnemonic. <laughs> and I remember getting tripped up again. Like what I said earlier, it doesn't matter if there are resections or recessions. It'll still work. So just... If you get tripped up on the test question going like, oh, answer choices all have recess and resect and different combinations, forget it. Just go M-A-L-E. Right. But the one thing I will say, if you're an actual practicing strabismus surgeon, there's also a problem that can come up if there's any torsion at all, like an extorsional V pattern or an intorsional A pattern, then actually doing the male horizontal transpositions will actually make the torsion worse. So make sure that you're not dealing with a torsional component. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good subtle point to add to that. 
And there's a lot more subtleties, like some surgeons think the obliques actually contribute to primary gaze stability, so they're gonna like offset what they do with, they might even throw in like an extra little comp compensatory oblique surgery at the same mm -hmm. time. That's not universally agreed on. We will let all of our Strab attendings fight that battle. Yeah, yeah next time on Strab Wars. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's 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 basically, that's it for a V and A pattern at least. Do you want to, we can talk about mm -hmm. the Y, X, and Lambda, I guess. Yeah, Y, um, remember, in Y pattern, it's even though it's going to look like it's an inferior oblique overaction, it's not really. Um, yeah, so don't touch the obliques. Don't touch the obliques. Honestly, Y pattern is probably the harder harder one to fix um, surgically, honestly. I think uh, you can sometimes superiorly transpose the lateral, lateral recti, like in male, but it doesn't work very well. Yeah. And then the so X Y pattern. patterns are like the most frustrating. Right. But the others, at least, you can you can cut with good of, good of efficacy. Right, like Andrew explained in X pattern, it's because they have overly tight lateral rectus muscles, so you can just hopefully relax those, um, kind of like in you know your normal exotropia strabismus surgery. And then lambda pattern, remember, that really is just like a weird A pattern, so um, that has superior oblique overaction, so you can do treat it like an A pattern with superior oblique overaction. And I'm sure if we have actual strap surgeons listening to this, I'm sure this is a massive oversimplification <laughs> of how to do it, but in terms of the, you know, OCAP and board level knowledge that you need, hopefully this can get you by. And uh, as usual, send your corrections to Ben Young's Twitter account. <laughs> okay, so uh, that's what we have. Do you want to summarize? Yeah, sure. So quickly summarize summarizing the Horizontal pattern strabismuses are A pattern, V pattern, Y pattern, X pattern, and lambda pattern, with V pattern being the most common, and then A pattern the next one. Um, clinically significant A and V patterns. In A pattern, there's at least a 10 prism diopter difference between the up gaze and down gaze deviations. In clinically significant V pattern, that has to be at least 15 prism diopters. And then uh, all of these patterns all have multiple causes, but most of them are from underactions or overactions of the oblique muscles with other possible weird effects from like dystopias of the orbital pulley system, maybe some torsion problems, weird glitches in muscular innervation, or for X pattern specifically, um, slippage, muscle slippage, um, or slippage around really, really tight muscles. And then also helpful to remember is the association of V patterns with the craniosynostoses, um, which also could be, uh, and then in particular, inferior oblique overaction. And then A pattern is uh, associated with spina bifida and then hydrocephalus, and then also associated with superior oblique overaction. And Y pattern, it's like a, basically looks like what the letter looks like, except uh, it's weirdly from an innervational problem, so there's not a great surgery for it. X pattern is gonna be from oftentimes large angle exotropias, so you can just deal with that like you would for any large angle exotropia surgically. And then lambda pattern um, usually is also mo mostly from superior oblique overaction. So you can fix all these things by dealing with the obliques if the obliques are involved, or using the male mnemonic with the medials to the apex and lateral rectuses getting transposed to the empty space, quote unquote, of the pattern of the letter. And I think that's it. If you like what you heard, you can follow us on Twitter at eyes4ears with the number four. 
And we also have our website, which uh, hmm. I need to update. www.eyes4ears with the uh, number 4.com. Um, if you'd like to support the podcast, then a leaving a rating review on uh, Twitter, well, I guess on iTunes. <laughs> I, I guess you can leave it on Twitter as well, or wherever you find your podcast is super helpful. Otherwise, we'll see you next week. Bye. <laughs> see you, everybody.